Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Amen and amen. I want to just take a moment and give the Lord some thanks for being so good, for being who he is and, you know, just doing what he does best. And that's being God in all of our lives. I want to, you know, thank my mom for being available tonight. I truly do appreciate you, mom. And I just want to take a brief moment to discuss uh, just something uh, I'd say rather short and to the point with you guys tonight. Um, as you are all aware, God willing, we have two Fridays left in this year. Um, and with that, uh, we as we begin to go into this new year, God willing, I am a firm believer that the Lord has some very special things in store for us. And with that, it requires a just a tiny bit of work on our part, as always, you know, with <clears throat> all things that the Lord has for us, he always, you know, has a task for us to do. And that task 10 times out of 10 is to be obedient, right? Our job in him, according to the Lord himself, is to have faith in him, right? That's our, it's our job, right? And a part of that job in having faith is to go forth and to make disciples, right? Jesus gave the great charge to baptize the nations in the Father, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which is his great name. And in doing so, we have to have a lot of faith because we as people, present self included, we can be very stubborn. We can be stuck in our ways at times. We can be our best enemy, <clears throat> you know. And so it requires a lot of faith, a lot of patience, a lot of endurance and all of the other wonderful aspects of the fruit of the spirit that we need to trust in the Lord to help us manifest. It takes a good bit, but I thank God for everything and for all that he allows to occur in our lives because they're, you know, they're character building exercises, right? Last week, we talked about <clears throat> a common misconception in scripture about the Lord not putting more on our plate than we can bear. And we went ahead and debunked that theory. We discussed that scripturally, it says that the Lord will not allow temptation to be more than we can bear. But as far as our plate, the Lord will chunk that thing as hard and as fast as he can at a wall without haste, you know, well, with haste. Because everything that God does is to mold us, right? Now, if you aren't too big on pottery or how it's done, I'm not the biggest proponent of it myself, but I understand the basics. It's that before something like this here cup can reach this final form, it has to go through a process where it is molded, it's destroyed, it's put back together, it gets put into a furnace in order to solidify so it can be hardened and be structurally sound. It goes through a lot. Um, the reference about silver or something that pertains to it is that the silversmith knows the silver is ready to come out of the fire 
or to come out of a trial or a storm or a situation when it reflects the one who's making it right. God pulls us out of a fire when he can see more of himself inside of us. That further doubles down on the fact that we are mirrors and we are supposed to reflect who the ever living God is. Glory be to his name. And the more of him that we reflect, that means the more of self that we've wiped off of the mirror. The end goal is to be a splitting image of our master, right? And it's not possible in this lifetime because we are human and we are full of error. But I thank God that we have a goal that we can continually strive toward because it means that there's always room for improvement. I don't care how good we get inside of Christ. There's always a level above it. And I love that because if we get complacent and God comes to knock on the door to remind us that we can keep moving forward because he's ever progressive, then it means we need to do the same, right? Keep moving with God hand in hand. Let's not try to outpace him and God willing, let's not try to fall behind. With that, there is a simple passage of scripture that I want to share with you tonight that comes out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 18 through 19. You may be familiar with it. I'm going to read for you the uh, New King James Version, and it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it not? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, in the NLT, when we look at that last part again, the Lord says, see how I've already begun, right? Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now, what's important about this? Well, we as people, and I'll use uh, working out or we'll stick with working out. We'll we'll use that as the reference here. When you as a person first start to, you know, do something to maintain your body or to get it in order, we typically don't notice change until we've been at it for a good while because we're the ones that sit with this day in and day out. And because of the way our brains work, we have this sort of misconception about self at times where we think we're bigger or smaller or deformed in certain capacities. And it, it bothers our own self-image, right? But other people around you will start to notice the changes as you're going because they're not looking at you the same way that you look at you, right? Well, in the same regard, when we start our journey with Christ or when we're along the path and we begin to go into the deeper parts of the word, as the Bible says, that there is a deepness to scripture. And in order to access it, we just need to trust God and, you know, dive in with him. But as we as we grow, sometimes we may not see the change that God has already been performing. Right. And he says it himself, see, that he's already begun the process inside of us, right? That he's already begun the process with us to not remember the former things, right? We're, don't get caught up on the past. What can the past do for you? It's happened. It's bygones. It's, it's there. It's done. It's, it's boom. Just leave it be, okay? 
But like Jesus tells us in the New Testament to focus on today, right? Today has enough going on inside of it for you to not be wrapped up in something else. Just focus on what you can handle at the moment. And in my opinion, that's to simply say, Lord, help me get through this day, right? Whether it's a good day or a bad day, we need his help. But with this scripture, there is an important thing here that if you've been with me before, you probably heard me say this. But when we talked about a um, a certain biblical study that I studied myself and then I related to you guys, it's that in the Hebrew, right? And the word right now escapes me, but there is a Hebrew word that talks about life itself being the wilderness. And we can scripturally confirm this with the fact that the Bible tells us that this world is not our home, but that we are sojourners or that we are travelers passing through. Right. If this world was home, case in point then Jesus would have never told us that he was going to prepare a place for us and that when it was ready, he would come personally get us to take us there with him, that we would be with him where he is always, right? There wouldn't be a need to make a promise like that if this was home. But thank God it's not because this place is ghetto and it it bugs me, you know, but God is good. But I share this scripture with you to let you know two main things. First of all, Let's focus on the wilderness part. God is telling you straight up that he will make a way even in the wilderness and that he will give rivers in the desert or in the dry areas of life. Right. Well, what does that mean? You may ask. Well, let's use our Bible knowledge here. The Lord is the way, the truth, the life and the light of this world. Right. When he says that he will make a way in the wilderness or in this unfamiliar place called life that we're living, it means that he will personally be your way. But way to what? Well, the way, the way to salvation, the way to true life and everlasting life, a way to freedom, a way to breakthrough, a way of overcoming, a way of growth, a way of forgiveness, that wonderful F word in scripture that we tend to forget about at times a way of love, a way of peace, a way of patience, a way of all of the above, everything that we could think of that is good and holy and godly and just and pure. He is that way. And then he tells us that he will provide rivers in the dry places, right? Well, the Lord is also the waters of life, right? He is the river of life. So therefore, he's not only telling us that he will personally be our way to whatever it is that we need to get to, but that he will also be our place of recuperation, right? He's the manna or the bread of life, right? He'll feed us. He'll make sure that we're full and that we're that we're sustained, right? He will give us drinks so that we do not thirst. That way we don't have to worry about being parched, but that we can keep pushing forward in the journey. That as life gets tough, well, we don't have to give up because we're leaning on the everlasting rock. But here's the thing. And I heard this maybe 20, 30 minutes before Bible study started. I was scrolling through, bored, as usual. And I heard a pastor say something very peculiar. And it's something that we've talked about before, but I'd like to bring it back up because it's something that's very important as we get ready to move into 2024. 
The preacher in question asked a very simple question. Can God trust you with heartbreak? And I must have rewatched that a few times because it really resonated with me. And that's a very good question. Can God trust us with heartbreak, right? The example he gave was with Abraham and God telling him that he needed to sacrifice his son Isaac, right? Abraham waited a long time to receive the promised son that God told him he would give him so that he could begin the lineage of his heirs and that, like God told him, if you look out to the stars in the sky, and the grains of sand out there, I'll give you more descendants than you can count, right? And that promise started with him getting his promised son. But what happened here? God told him, you know, I need you to sacrifice Isaac for me, right? I need you to do that. I need you to trust me. And of course, any normal person would have heard this and been heartbroken. But what is the purpose of heartbreak in your life when God allows it to happen? It's to temper you, right? Usually, take my glasses off. When we go through heartbreak or things that are extremely taxing to us, either emotionally, mentally, or physically, the human reaction, because it is not a response, but the human reaction is to run away. It is to curl up. It is to be afraid. It is to get away from the situation. It is to put as much distance between you and it as possible to erect barriers, to put walls up, to close yourself off, to try not to feel. It is to do the exact opposite of what God desires for us, right? When we go through things, heartbreak especially, it is designed for us to run to him. That's the response, right? There's a song by Whitney Houston. It's called Run to You. And Smokey Norfolk, I believe, made a, a gospel rendition of the song. And the purpose of both iterations of the song, but more so the gospel song, is that when life gets tough, when I have these moments where I don't even have the capacity to think to grasp what I'm going through, to understand, to feel anything, my sole response should be to run to the one who has been there with me from day one, right? Now, of course, Whitney was talking about some man, but I'm talking about Jesus because there is no person alive on this planet who can do for you what God can do for you. Now, this is something I talked about with Granny a few days ago. We have this thing called interdependency, right? It's where we as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ lean on one another, trusting our father and each other to help guide us through these different situations or to help provide or use connections or whatever to make sure that we're good. Right. But the biggest of which is to just be there for one another. Literally, I need to talk. You know, I need I just need some company. Now, with. Outside of interdependency, there's codependency, right? That is when you are completely dependent upon another person for your survival. Now, if you're married, wonderful, glad for you. But codependency between spouse and spouse is not it. That should be an interdependent relationship. But 
The codependent part should be you and God. Why? Because God is the source. When I'm leaning on God, I'm leaning on not just my father. I'm not leaning just on my savior or my friend in the midnight hour, or as the Bible says, a a friend that sticks closer, you know, than a brother does. But I'm leaning on literally the only one who really understands me, right? We as people can understand each other. And as I've told Granny, and as I've told my little sister before, right? The highest honor we can do for one another is to trust each other 98%, right? We tell each other practically everything minus the 1% that, you know, we would only share with maybe somebody of of the same gender because it's a personal issue specific to your, your gender, right? Or just something in that ballpark. And then the other 1% is strictly for God, right? Because it's only it's certain stuff only God needs to be told. Right. But with God, it should be 100 percent. And that's where the codependent part comes upon, because as I've learned in my short time living, it's that the more I lean on God, well, the more he speaks to me. Right. The more I trust him and do my best in Jesus name to do things right the first time around, the more he honors the effort. Why? Because not only is my heart saying, Lord, I want to please you, but I'm doing my best to show him that I want to please him, right? The Bible tells us that faith without works is dead and that it is impossible to please God without faith. So if I believe that there is a God and his name is Jesus and that he saved me and that I'm working toward expanding my family, then I need to do something, aka the works, in his name, backed by his power, that he has specifically told me to do, not just something I decided I wanted to do at a whim to try to get some glory for myself because we are not the, we're not the one deserving of praise here, but that when God tells you and then green lights it, you go do it out of faith and it all stems from that love right and what the point of all of this is is that just like the pot or the silver that's in the fire there are things that we just need to leave alone okay things that we need to leave and this year and let it die here and let's not even look back at it just like how when god sent the angels to to save Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah. His wife turned into a pillar of salt because she was looking back, right? Now, realistically, if I was delivered from a hell hole, I wouldn't want to look back at it. Now, I'm not saying that I would or wouldn't have because if the same principle applies, we all have sinned. Put any one of us in the Garden of Eden, we mess up 100% of the time. But what I'm saying is, is that for those of us who have really experienced Jesus, it's that when we're delivered from a situation for real, for real, we don't want anything to do with it anymore. See, the beauty of deliverance is it works in the same way as repentance does. Right. I heard another preacher say this. It's that when you say sorry, you acknowledge that there was some wrong done. Yes, I've acknowledged it. 
But sorry isn't repenting. Sorry is just, I see it's there. Repenting is when you turn away from the thing, right? Deliverance is the extenuated version of forgiveness, right? When God forgives you, that means that that instance of sin, it's it's covered, it's gone. Don't worry about it, right? But just because you were forgiven for something, and I'm preaching to myself right now, thank you, Jesus. Just because you are forgiven for something doesn't necessarily mean that you were delivered from it yet. See, deliverance comes from the desire to want to be done with a thing. I don't know if you heard me on that one, so let me repeat myself. To be delivered from something means that you want it to be done with that thing. When you ask God to deliver you, you are saying, and no short of words here, that father, I one acknowledge that I was wrong for this thing, whatever this thing is. Two, I would like to be forgiven from it, right? I, Lord, I need forgiveness for this because I know I was wrong. I've already admitted it. But here's the third step that sometimes we forget. Now, father, I don't want to do it anymore, right? Sometimes we can tell him that and he'll leave us to it because in our heart, we don't really mean that yet, right? We're saying it in the moment because we're reacting to the yucky feeling that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention because we know we're wrong. But things usually don't stop until we've come to the simple conclusion that I don't want to be here anymore, right? I don't care what you're going through in this life. None of us are too busy to do something that we want to do right. But we'll always have an excuse of some kind to throw in the way when we don't want to stop doing something right. We'll use any excuse in the book and then we'll trick ourselves into thinking that we're telling the truth. But until we really get to that point, as uh, a late bishop used to say, where you have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Till you really get to the point where you say, I'm done. And there are a lot of things that we need to say we're done with in 2023. We need to leave it here. We need to be done with so much anger and hostility because, I mean, the Bible tells us straight up that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God is looking for. So let's leave it alone. Pride, one of the biggest. <laughs> Oof. Pride gets you nowhere. Matter of fact, it will get you, if we put it in modern terms, punched in the mouth and thrown out the door because God does not like pride. What are we prideful for? Did we save self after we got saved? Did we become better than the next person? If I've walked 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years with God, am I any better than the next person? No. So get rid of that. All the other stuff, trying to lord your own life. Are you? Yeah, I mean, I've been there before, but like, are we crazy? Yes, because to think that I know a good plan for my life better than God, who literally tells you straight up, he knows the plans for you, that they are for good and not for evil, that they are to prosper you, to give you a hope in the future. And in the King James, an expected end. God has a real plan for your life that has a, a beginning, a middle and an end and all the little stuff in between. Let's trust him for it. 
let's stop trying to be whatever it is that we're trying to be that we know is wrong. And for those of us who don't know it's wrong, well, I pray that God would bless us and allow us to see that we were blind. But now that we can see, let's do better, right? There's a thing I love to say. It's uh, probably my favorite phrase of this year. You play a stupid game, you win a stupid prize, right? If you want some scriptural context to that, take a look at the end of Romans chapter one. The Bible tells us in that passage of scripture, especially toward the end, around the 20th to the 30 something verse, that people were beginning to create new ways to sin. As if sin wasn't bad enough, they're finding new ways to do it. And then in these new ways, they're encouraging other people to hop in with them. I mean, let's just take a look at today's modernity, right? Like, uh, what's the biggest issue we're currently facing right now? Um, let's take a look at the the LGBTQ community, right? They're people. Yes, God died for all of us. But what you do when you decide to make a mockery of things, especially saying that you've been in the wrong body your whole life, you're saying that God made a mistake. And last time I checked, the big man doesn't make mistakes. It's us that make mistakes. And it's us who um, perceive things in a very strange way because, well, we rewrite what's good and bad every single day. This was bad yesterday, but it's good today because now it benefits me, right? And that's the issue. I'm not saying that living this life is easy, but surely, as I've heard a preacher say before, one of us in this big old pot, the, the Christian, the Jew, the Muslim, the whatever, one of us is right. And like the Bible says, like Paul wrote, if those of us who believe in Christ Jesus are wrong, well, we're the biggest fools out there. We're flunkies. We're we're dumb. We're just the bottom of the barrel. But I thank God that we're not wrong because Jesus, unlike these other people that are out here spreading lies, he didn't come claiming to be some good prophet or just a teacher or whatever. But he literally said, I am God. Literally, I am that I am right before Abraham was. I am the father and I are one. I mean, he he didn't hide it. He didn't mince words. And all of that is to show us that we really need him, right? He was talking to the disciples that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's so tiny that if you try to look at it, you go cross-eyed and you can't even see it anymore. And your eye begins to play optical illusions where one becomes two. But that it's easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why is that? Well, if we substitute some things around, it's very hard to look at God who's telling you to leave it all for him when you've been fooled by the world with stuff that makes you happy for all of five seconds until you have to go buy something new. And now you have a burning hole in your pocket because you're never satisfied, right? Well, my God satisfies me. I, I had nothing personally for so long to where I just became satisfied in Christ because it's like, you know what, God, you never left me. So I'm winning. And then when you have things, thank you, Lord. 
I, I mean, Paul wrote it <clears throat> and God approved it that I have learned the secret to living this life, whether I am abound or on the low or well, actually, I'm sorry, whether I'm abound on the up and up or I'm abased on the low. The answer is Jesus. I'm good, good or bad with God because he is my everything. I don't need this. Jesus himself told us to focus on the treasures of heaven, not the treasures of earth, because on earth things rot and decay and rust. My desk behind me when I was getting ready for Bible study, I had to wipe some dust off of it. That doesn't happen in heaven. God's storeroom with your name on it doesn't have dust in it. The the pages and the books of whatever, like I have books on my shelf, they're not going to go bad one day or turn colors due to water rot or whatever. But everything is perfect in God's kingdom. And that's what we should be focusing on. In the same way, I have perfection that I am chasing towards in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to get it in this version of my body, but I'm going to get it one day. But because I can get close enough to it, I might as well try my best, right? I can say I did my best, Lord. I trusted in you. I tried. I left things alone. I gave stuff up. I went through the lonely seasons where I was never actually lonely, but it felt like I was because I had to let people or places or things or ideologies go so I could be closer to you so that more people could get blessed and saved and helped. That's okay. You know, I used to grow up in my own warped mindset thinking that nobody cared about me, which is, of course was a lie, but I used to think that way. And I, if I would have went to a doctor for it, I'm pretty sure they would have diagnosed me as clinically depressed. I had depressive episodes that I could track, like if it was a monthly period, I could track when I was going to have a, a breakdown. And let me tell you, I haven't had a breakdown in so long. I don't remember the last time I had one because God is just that good. When you want to be delivered, which remember, that is the the perfect version of forgiveness. Admitting I've done something, seeking forgiveness and now asking to be delivered from it because I'm done with it. You know how long I was depressed? Uh, Let's see. Up until right before COVID. <laughs> That's a long time. I, ugh, I just look back and it's like, boy, let it go. But it's okay. In God's perfect timing, right? I'm here. I'm wonderful. If anything, you know, something tries to get at me and I have this almost vehement response to it where it's like, Lord, I refuse to let this get me down because you are too good. I'm running back to him every single time the enemy thinks he has me. And that's the purpose of what God has allowed me to give to you tonight. I had something completely different in mind, but this is where he chose to take me, right? <clears throat> Let's leave it alone, okay? I don't know what your it is. There might be many. I have a few. And we need to leave them alone, right? I'm currently, and, and Granny knows this, I've been dealing with something this past month. And... It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's something that I know a few months ago would have tore me up. That has not been the, the response here, right? The response has been, Father, you've got it. Because if I try to deal with it, I'm going to make it worse. If I try to deal with it, I'm going to get sick again. 
you got it, Lord. And what happens when you really leave something in God's hands? Let me tell you, you are peaceful. You sleep well at night. I've had plenty of nights in this past month where I've woken up to a, well, I've awakened to a puddle of drool. It was magical. You eat better because you're not stressing about things. You take care of you. You cannot be of benefit to anyone else if you're neglecting self. Even Jesus took time where he would duck off and go pray alone and just give himself a chance to breathe. Though he was fully God, he was still man. He was showing us how to get it done. When God leads your life, there are certain things that you have to do differently. My mom used to tell me that all the time growing up and granny doubled down. I didn't go out and party. The like one year I actually drank after I turned 21. I gave that up so quick. Me and drugs were a no, no, Mm -mm, leave it alone. My little stint with the flesh, that's been gone. You move different with God and you're supposed to because we're not like the rest of the world. We're peculiar people and peculiar people act just like that peculiar. They're weird or strange to the normal people, right? I don't want to be normal. If talking about Jesus on a Friday night is weird and instead I should be out at a club or whatever, smelling like God knows what, just doing whatever, trying to get with some person, I'm fine. Keep it. I'm good. I like my money in my bank account. I like seeing my bills paid and being able to save and work towards goals. I love sharing the word of God because that means somebody else gets to get helped. And more so, I get to get helped in the process. If the club is cool, well, then I'm uncool. I don't want to be cool if that's what cool is. If smoking and drinking my problems away are the acceptable way to handle it, well, trust me, I will stay on bended knee and keep praying. But that's the point. We got to leave stuff alone, y'all. Let me tell you how good God is, and then I'll get us out of here. He always tells you when something is not right. Key example, as a boy or as a girl, you grow up in this life, and after a certain point, you begin to get attracted to the opposite sex, right? It's the natural process of things. Well, as a boy, I came of age and girls began to look good to me, right? But see, here was the thing, and I always wondered about it, especially in high school, but then it made sense later in life when I got older and God had taken me through enough things and I was allowed to make my mistakes. And then I had two wonderful, well, let me let me shout out all of them. I had four wonderful women in my life praying for me at all times. My two beautiful aunts and my mom and my grandmother. here was the thing every girl I ever wanted to talk to in high school because it started there my mom would always tell me something about the person I and I knew it was God because I never told her about any of them except like two and same thing with granny always tell me about it and it's like well I can't win for losing right so I left alone for a little while I grow up I'm an adult now And same thing, but now because I've started walking in my calling where I'm teaching and ministering for real, the warnings came quicker and stronger. And then I noticed something. It got to a point 
to where God just wouldn't even let certain stuff get near me. And for a little bit, because I'm human, I'm like, Lord, what's up? Can I can I get an answer? And he gave me an answer because he answered my prayer. Lord, because it happened after 2017, after a very toxic relationship. I said, Lord, if I ever talk to anybody else, let me know from Jump Street if that's it. Because if it's not it, I don't want to do it. I don't want to waste time. I'm not trying to do the wrong thing again. You keep me safe, Father. And what happens when you do that? God listens to your prayers. That's why sometimes the, well, not sometimes, that's why the Bible tells us to be careful of what we, you know, speak because the power of life and death is in the tongue. But when you speak life into your own life, well, because we're people, we hear the thing, be careful what you pray for because God just might do it. Well, I'm glad he does it. When we say something like, Lord, I need you to, you know, make me more of what you need me to be right. That's a very lonely prayer, but so be it. I'd rather be alone with God than in a room full of people who hate me and despise me. Jesus on earth had 11 real people by his side, and even then they were a bunch of dum-dums. Well, as a fellow dum-dum, who I still question why the Lord loves me so much sometimes, but I know the answer, I'm grateful because it gives us a chance to grow. But my story ends with this simple fact here. It's that God, after a certain point, when you really start trusting him, the things that the enemy would try to use to get you, they don't work anymore. Why? Because you didn't even realize that you were delivered from it. You see, you go through a thing where you're apologetic for it. You realize you were wrong. Then you get to a phase where you really want forgiveness from it. And then that's typically in the I made an uh oh phase. Right. But then you get tired of making those uh oh's and those oopsies and the same crazy mistakes that Yolanda talked about in one of my favorite songs. You know, I don't want to keep making the same mistake over and over again. I want your will to be done, Lord. Then you get to that deliverance stage. Sometimes God just slips it on in there and you don't even realize it until it's been so long that you realize, oh, I've been moving differently. Could ask granny, could ask my mom, my aunts, whoever. I, I don't I don't have time for that anymore. I really don't. One, I'm not trying to do the wrong thing. Eh, been there, done that. I'm I'm great. I want to stick with Jesus and just be and the, the perfect will. I don't really want the permissive will when I don't need it. I'm glad he writes my wrongs because he loves me and I'm called according to his purpose. <clears throat> but um, I'm good. Let's let's just let that happen if it happens. But I'd rather live in the perfect will. And secondly, when you really take the blinders off and you're not trying to appease how you feel, but you're on the same page with God and you're more so concerned about building toward the future and not your little feelings that lie to you, you start to realize that it's a lot of, a lot of bad seed out there. That, as Broderick said at Best One Bible Study, God works in perfection and Satan works in almost. It looks real good. Sounds good, smells good, all of the above. But it's just something off about it. And you never know what that one-off thing is, but you just know it's off. It's damaged goods. But God doesn't work like that. So, again, let's leave our it's in 2023, okay? 
because next week we're going to be talking straight Jesus. It's it's a celebration. But let's leave the it's here. okay? it's a lot of stuff, the biggest of which being that F word forgiveness and its counterpart unforgiveness. We need to live unforgiveness right here. okay? Uh, The thing I'm dealing with, I've been kind of teeter tottering on a bit of unforgiveness. But every time I think about it, the Lord stumps that out because it's like, but remember what I've forgiven you for. Right. And that's the big kicker there. We have a saying and it's scripturally accurate that those who have been forgiven the most tend to forgive very quickly. Right. Or that we forgive a lot as well, because we realize that 10 times out of 10. When a person acts a certain way, especially when they're saved, it's because it's growing pains, right? You know, there's a thing I've been saying the past few months, and Granny will catch this reference. It's get with the program, right? When you didn't know, it was okay. But now that you know, this is also scripture accurate. When you know better, you're supposed to do better. And when you don't, it's because you're choosing not to do better. But why are you choosing not to do better? Because it feels good, right? But we don't work in feelings around here because the heart is desperately wicked above all else, meaning that your emotions lie to you. They're stupid. Let them be. Instead, respond accordingly. God has given you the knowledge to do better. So now take his knowledge and become wise by adhering to it. 2023 has been a great proving ground to grow, to get better. And now it's a great time to leave a lot of the yucky mess that we've picked up along the way, exactly where we found it, on the side of the road where it belongs, in the muddy road water full of just whatever. Let's leave it be, okay? Jesus did not die on a cross for us, for us to be walking around, woe is me, when he said, you are free because I freed you, that you are more than a conqueror that you are my baby and I didn't do all of this just so you could look like you've been defeated you're not defeated you've won the victory is ours because Jesus is victory let's walk in it okay and let's leave the nonsense alone yeah we're gonna keep making mistakes as we're people but there's a but God in all of this we can train this to please him more then it wants to go against him because that's what the Bible tells us to do. So Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name just saying thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much that as this year comes to a close, so too will a myriad of issues that we've been dealing with. Because, Father, we start off by acknowledging where we've been wrong. That's how we started this salvation relationship with you, Lord. We admitted that we were wrong and that we needed help. And then we sought forgiveness, Father, which is to accept what you've done for us by dying on the cross, paying the ransom that I didn't know I even had on my head in the first place. And then deliverance, where we walk hand in hand with you. We confessed it, having faith that you alone, Jesus, are Lord, that we believe it in our hearts and we confess it with our mouth. And now we walk with you away from the world, away from the old life. The Bible tells us that if any man be in Christ Jesus, that they are a new creature. 
that behold, the old life has passed away and that the new life has begun. Well, I can't live my new life if I'm still caught up in an old house. I moved. I'm not supposed to be there anymore. And in the same way, now that I've moved into my new home with you, Father, whenever the enemy tries to come, he is trespassing. So we serve notice on you, Satan, that this year, though you may have gotten a few little good ones in, once again, buddy, you've lost a bunch of battles and the war. I mean, you already know where that's at. You lose. So it's right now in Jesus name that we first of all, thank you, Lord, for the continued victory. We thank you for the deliverance that you have brought us to a place to where we want to be done with the things that the enemy was using to trick us and try to keep us trapped. But we thank you that as we go throughout our sanctification process, that you continually purge us, Father. For we know according to your word that temptation stems from the roots inside of our own heart. But we thank you that you prune us, Lord, and that you sever those old parts so that those old seeds of iniquity would continually be plucked away so that we would be sure to replace it with more of you in our hearts where you write the word so that we would be sure to keep it to not sin against you. Father God, we love you and we thank you for all that you're doing and that you're gonna do. Lord, we speak into existence right now having faith in you lord that 2024 is going to be a game changer for all of us not some of us but all of us that we will walk even more closely with you father that those of us who haven't started walking in the place of purpose will do it starting not in the new year but today lord that all we have to do is believe in you to receive it that everything that's been plaguing us, that we should have been let go, that you will bring us to a place to where we can. And that if it takes all of 2024 for us to get it right, that God will get it right with you, Lord, because that's just the kind of father that you are. So again, Lord, we thank you. We love you. And we will be sure to give your name all the praise, all the honor and all the glory, which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing and be blessed.